Hi friends, today we are talking about nesting concepts and skills and content in elementary general music. My name is Victoria Bowler and this is episode 76 of Elemental Conversations. A few months ago, I got to meet with a group of music teachers who are using the planning binder in their district, and at that meeting, they came with a question for us to all talk about together. And that question was, how do we meaningfully integrate small group work and student choice, not just to practice skills, but to deepen student learning? Great question, right? (laughs) It's kind of the million dollar question. And in the course of our conversation, we got to explore that from a few different angles and from a few different perspectives, because again, there were several people um, on that team call and each of those teachers in that district is so bright and so thoughtful. And it's really just um, a sharp, a sharp group of people. And it was a great conversation. This piece about deepening student learning as the goal and not just practicing skills, that is what I would like to talk about a little bit more today. And just like in that initial conversation with that uh, team of music teachers, we could approach this from a few different angles. Like um, in that conversation, we talked about using depth of knowledge, DOK. We talked about the creativity piece and we kind of dug into that and we looked at some very concrete examples for structuring creative choice. And we also looked at examples of collaboration and some very, again, tactile, concrete ways that we can include more small group and um, kind of peer-to-peer interaction in our teaching. But today, I want to talk about it from the perspective of nesting concepts for deeper learning. This is something that I have been chewing on recently. And for me, the elemental question that this comes down to is, what does a big idea, what does a big concept look like in an active music room? And for me, there's a lot to unpack there, which we get to talk about today. Let's frame this before we jump in. Let's frame this around one application of nesting concepts for deeper learning. And that comes into play or that is evident when we ask students to work together or when we ask students to share or when we ask them to um, practice active listening or a lot of a lot of the other um, kind of social skills that students need to interact with each other and to make music in a way that doesn't make us as the teacher want to tear our hair off. So where are students learning these concepts of interactive listening? Where are they learning how to find a partner? Where are they learning how and when to ask questions during a group project? Because these things come up, right? We can think of a million ways that, um, that these concepts kind of apply themselves in our teaching. So students only want to be partners with specific people, or they don't want to share the mallets, or um, it's a whole big thing if someone is out in a game and everything like that. And this is the part of the job that can very often make us feel a little bit defeated. And in some ways, it feels a little bit more defeating than helping students match pitch or keep a steady beat or improvise um, in an eight beat phrase. 
And these overarching goals go by a lot of different names. We could call them social skills or emotional competencies, or we could call them life skills or habits of mind. And, you know, it's, it's one idea that takes a lot of different forms in terms of what we call it. But whatever it is you want to refer to these as, I'm talking about these more broad skills and understandings and concepts that we need to have in place in order for things like a singing game to go well. And the genre or like the area that I'm talking about today is within this idea of social and emotional competencies of how students interact with each other and um, interact with the musical material in a way that is uplifting and productive and kind <laughs> um, and, and acknowledges the humanity of everyone in the classroom. That's the application that I am using to talk about this idea of deeper learning. So I don't mean to suggest that um, nesting concepts is exclusively about teaching social and emotional skills, but I do see that as a very practical area where we can kind of apply these more broad concepts to some of the things that we are already doing. Okay, so let's talk about nesting. This is a concept that I read about from an education author named Robin Fogarty, and I'm applying it to social and emotional skills, but again, it really applies to any broad transferable concept. And the idea is that different subject focuses and processes and concepts can be nested together. So we're not teaching them all separately. We're teaching them in an integrated way. And the visual of this nesting approach is like if you were to look at the mixing bowls that you have in your kitchen where they have like the small bowl and that fits inside the larger one and that fits inside the larger one. This is uh, what this author is talking about when she describes a nested approach to teaching concepts and skills and processes and knowledge. So the inside bowl is like the educational content focus. That is like if we said we are teaching Takadimi, that would go on the inside bowl. And Takadimi is a concept, but it's what we would call a discipline specific concept, which we can maybe talk about here in a moment. So then the bowl outside that is another discipline specific process or a life skill. And then the bowl outside of that is an even, um, a, an even higher level process or life skill. An example would be that the inside bowl is so and me, that's what we are actually teaching, like in a concrete way. And then the bowl outside that could be singing voice and pitch matching. And then the bowl outside that might be the overarching concept of working in an ensemble. Or let's go back to this Takadimi um, set of bowls. <laughs> um, the inside bowl is Takadimi. And then the bowl outside that one is maybe ostinato. And then the bowl outside that one could be complementary relationships. So there are different, and we'll, by the way, we'll get very, um, uh, application based with all of this. I have a lot of examples at the end of this podcast. So if that feels a little bit airy to you, like a, a little bit abstract, it did for me too. So that's why I have some examples of how this might apply to our teaching. Okay. So there are different lenses that we can use to talk about a single lesson or a single lesson segment, depending on how far in or how far out we want to zoom. When we zoom in, it looks like our regular singing songs and playing games and doing the regular learning skill-based activities with our target element, with our target concept. And again, that's a discipline-specific concept. 
when we zoom out a little bit, we see something that's a little bit more big picture and maybe a little bit more transferable, like part work skills or pitch matching or something like that. And then we zoom out from that a little bit more and we have a more broad concept or process or life skill, like the skill of working in an ensemble or a team or the collaborative skill of seeing differences as complementary. Does that make sense? So when we look at this inside bowl, that is the content focus. And then we go out, it's a discipline specific process or a life skill. And then we go outside of that and it's a more broad process or life skill. And again, that's all coming from the work of Robin Fogarty. Not to say that, you know, that person is the one who has originated this approach to education, but that's the person who um, introduced me to this approach to curriculum development, this nested approach to um, building units. Other authors I have read about um, on this topic, they talk about this type of teaching as being concept-based as opposed to topic-based based, where we teach the same skills and the same processes and the same topics that we have been teaching already, but each activity points to a concept, like a big, uh, like a capital C concept that can transfer outside the discipline. So a topic in like a general classroom, like a general first grade classroom would be apples. That would be a topic, but a concept could be transformation. And students can look at how an apple starts as the seed of an apple tree and that grows throughout the seasons and the blossom goes to a mature fruit. And then um, all of that goes into decomposition and that enriches the soil and it gets just transformed and transformed and transformed into uh, many different iterations of itself. And we could also take a single apple and we could transform it into apple butter or apple cider or apple pie or something like that. So you have the topic of apples, but when you look above that, there's something that is much more uh, broad and again, transferable like transformation. So that's one example. We're still doing all the cute little apple activities that we would do in first grade, but all of those activities, all of those apple activities are pointing to something, to a concept that kind of, um, (laughs) it sounds dramatic, but that kind of like transcends the topic level of just talking about apples. Does that make sense? So all of these are happening at the same time. It just depends on how far in or how far out you're going to zoom as you are looking at this one apple activity. Now, when we think about applying this approach, we might come up against some areas of tension and some areas of balance. Let's talk about that. Um, Adrienne Mishler, you guys might know her as Yoga with Adrienne. She made a comment years and years and years ago in one of her videos that in tension, there is balance. And the idea there is that the only way to balance in, let's say tree pose, is for there to be a push between two things. In this case, there's the leg and there's the foot. The only way that posture can hold is if there is tension, if there's pushing between those two, um, those two elements. So we have balance because of the tension and there are some tensions for me. The reason I bring that up is that there are some tensions for me in concept based or nested or uh, big idea teaching. And this is one of the reasons that I have been so late to this game. This approach has been around for a long time and people have been doing it for years, like for years and years and years. And there are probably a lot of people listening right now who are like, yeah, Victoria, where have you been? (laughs) We use enduring understandings. And I know. 
But my enduring understandings have been pretty narrow and my concepts have been pretty discipline specific. And here is why. Here's my tension. The first area of tension for me is that we teach music, right? So we probably want to spend our time doing music. Number two, my second area of tension is that kids are very active, which is why we emphasize active musicking so that our teaching is aligned with child development. And the third area of tension for me is that our classroom management is so much easier when we have the functional pieces of our teaching down, like how to facilitate a singing game. So let's dig into some of these areas of tension, um, because I think that they are very interesting to explore. And I think that it can kind of give us a pathway of how to apply a nested approach in our teaching, if that's something that we choose to do. Let's talk about how we teach music, because on one hand, if I wanted to spend my time helping students interact with each other and interact with themselves in a respectful way and work on um, interpersonal skills and intrapersonal skills as my job description, or if I wanted to analyze how humans interact with each other and the different social systems we use, I could do that. I could go back to school and be a school counselor or a history teacher or a social studies teacher, and I could spend my time specifically in this area. But there's a reason that we probably don't teach a class, more than likely we don't teach a class called life skills. We don't teach social studies. We don't teach history. We don't teach um, political science. We teach music. And likely the reason that we teach music is that we want to spend our time doing music. And our time with students is already so limited. So are we really going to take some of that classroom time away from musicking and spend it talking about abstract concepts? And that leads to the second area of tension for me, which is that we want to teach in a way that is child-centered and not curriculum-centered. If you look at the motion and the pacing and um, like the different learning patterns of elementary kids, you'll see that these are very active humans. They are very hands-on. They are very tactile. They learn by doing. And there's a pathway I can see for this approach of nested teaching, of concept-based teaching, where we sit kids down and we talk at them about the idea of ensemble or the idea of collaboration or um, the idea of social structures or whatever it is. We talk about the concept. And in doing that, we lose the opportunity to use the concept and to do the music together in an active and collaborative ensemble. And I fear that this approach can, I'm not saying that it does, but I, I fear that this approach can lead to more teacher talk and less hands-on learning, which could look great on paper if we need to turn in lesson plans showing that we are using broad concepts or critical thinking skills or, uh, you know, moving toward deeper learning. But in reality, that's not an approach that I believe to be oriented around actual kids. I believe that approach to be a little bit more oriented around adults who are designing the curriculum. We probably don't want an elementary general classroom where students sit and talk about a concept where they sit and listen to us talk at them about a concept. We probably want our active elementary general music classroom to have a lot of active musicking in it. And that has an impact on our classroom management, which is the third area of tension for me. 
I look at these big, broad level transferable concepts and skills that students need to have. And then I look at an active music classroom where students are engaged because we are giving them something to do. They're interacting with each other and they are doing a musical process. Musical processes, um, meaning like pitch matching or beat keeping or melodic improvisation or barred instrument technique or arranging with rhythmic building blocks and all of these discipline specific things that we care about as music teachers. And if we don't have the skills as teachers to know how to teach a singing game and how to scaffold it and how to teach a song successfully and, um, you know, how to help students be successful with all of those musical interactions, our time is going to be spent retroactively trying to manage the chaos of the singing game. And in the midst of that, (laughs) in the midst of that chaos, trying to access this, you know, high level abstract layer where we talk to kids about a big ambiguous concept that just does not make practical sense to me. I talked to a teacher about this and to illustrate, you know, as I was chewing on this idea, um, to illustrate it, I wrote on a piece of paper, singing game in a circle, and then above it in big letters, I wrote concept with arrows pointing to that concept. And the idea is that we're going to do a singing game, but there's also a higher level thinking concept theme, big idea that we are using that singing game to illustrate. And this teacher who I look up to in a lot of ways, she is absolutely brilliant. She pointed to the big abstract concept at the top and she said, that's all fine and good. And then she pointed to the singing game circle and she said, but this has to function first before I can think about this higher level thing. So where is the connection between these big ideas and musical skills? Is there a bridge from the abstract concepts to these concrete active musicking processes? Or maybe there's not a bridge. Maybe there is actually some overlap. And this is why I love the different the, the visual of how different skills and processes and concepts can nest together. Because in this approach, it's not one or the other. They nest like those mixing bowls in our kitchen. So let's go back to this elemental question. What does a big idea look like in an active music room? And my goal here is not to eliminate the tension because again, we get our balance through this tension. So let's take all of those tensions and let's take all of the things that we might be really drawn to about concept-based or nested teaching or deeper learning or whatever you want to call it. Let's take all of those and kind of imagine how we can apply this approach to our active music rooms. And for this, I have several broad transferable concepts that absolutely apply to the music room, but we can also extend them to other academic areas and other real life situations. So the concepts that we are working on in uh, kindergarten through fifth grade in the first semester of the planning binder are ensemble. And then the second concept is complement ensemble complement. And then when we come back from winter break, our concepts are going to be collaborate and creative choice, which, you know, if you think back to the very beginning of this conversation, that made me laugh because in the meeting I was talking about earlier, the conversation was just very, very aligned with these two, um, with these two concepts that we're talking about in the second semester, collaborate and creative choice. Let's talk about ensemble first. 
And the reason I chose this one to focus on first is that whatever else happens in the year, it's going to be way, 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 way easier for us to approach um, all of those different ideas and interactions if the musicians that we teach really feel like they belong in this group, if they really feel connected to, uh, to the group as a whole. This is the team building part of the year, right? Like the community focused part of the year. And that really sets the tone for all of the other interactions we're going to have together. There's a book that was um, a big influence on me. It's called From Behaving to Belonging, The Inclusive Art of Supporting Students Who Challenge Us. And that was a big um, source of inspiration for me as I was building some of these uh, structures for these concept plans. And then there's another book called We Belong, 50 Strategies to Create Community and Revolutionize Classroom Management. So I um, sat with some of the messages from these books and I thought about how they might apply to music and in, again, in an active music context and how they could add maybe another dimension to the things that we were already doing. Because in an ensemble, in a team, every member has a part to play. Ensembles are interconnected systems of individuals. So when I do something as an individual musician, that has a direct impact on you. That has a direct impact on the ensemble as a whole. And then, of course, the reverse is true as well. When I need something, when I need support as an individual musician, I can look to the ensemble for that support. We all impact each other. So I'll just read you a piece from one of the concept plans at the beginning of the school year. It says throughout this review process, because just pause at the beginning of the year inside the planning binder, we always start with review of last year. We don't just like jump straight into um, new concepts and new songs and new activities. We start with circling back and kind of getting everyone back on the same page. Okay. Throughout this review process, students are invited to explore the idea of ensemble in the music classroom. This is based on the core belief that each student musician belongs in our class ensemble. Their presence matters, their voice matters, the way they contribute to the ensemble matters. Through active musical experiences, students will consider, number one, how do members of a musical ensemble work together? Number two, how do we contribute to the ensemble as individual musicians? So let's look at some examples of using ensemble in some of our regular music class activities that we would probably be doing anyway. This is from the third grade rhythm review concept plan. We have Vamos a Jugar, which is a hand clapping uh, beat passing game. So it's one of those where your hands are kind of layered on top of the other persons in the circle. That way you can move your hand and slap the person next to you, slap their hand, um, and they can take their hand and slap the person next to them again, their hand. Uh, and then the beat just keeps moving around the circle while we speak. Vamos a jugar el juego de la oca. So let's play the game of the silly goose and then we have some vocables and then we are counting to 10. 
And if the beat lands on you at that word 10, at the last number in that rhyme, uh, then you are out. Unless this gets more fun if you pull your hand out at the last moment before someone has a chance to tag your hand on the word 10, then that person would be out instead of you. Okay, so all of that aside, this is a hand clapping game, right? It's a beat passing game, which means the steady beat has to be um, there. It has to be apparent throughout the entirety of the game. Otherwise, the game doesn't work. So if I am clapping to a steady beat, but the person next to me is not, the game doesn't function anymore. So in a beat passing game, how do we work together as an ensemble? How do our actions contribute to the ensemble as individual musicians? So this is one of the ways that we can reflect on the concept of ensemble, but we are also using the concept of ensemble as we are doing this beat passing game. Or we can zoom down to second grade melody review with Ickle Ockle. And if you're not familiar with this song, it is Ickle Ockle blue bottle fishes in the sea. If you want a partner, please pick me. And there are several different ways that we could play this game, but the um, the version that I often use is a partner choosing game. So everyone, you know, at the end of the at the end of the song, everyone is going to find a partner to uh, join with, and then you do it again, and you find a different partner. You do it again, you find a different partner, and you are not supposed to be partners with the same person more than one time. So everyone in this room, everyone in this second grade classroom is a member of our musical ensemble. And that means that we can be partners with a lot of different people, even if they are not the people we always play with on the playground. Those people are still part of our musical ensemble. So in this example, we are thinking about what it means to be in an ensemble with every single person in this classroom, but then also we get to practice it by finding a different partner with each round of the game. And because we are not allowed to be with the same person more than once, that really gives us the opportunity to initiate a partnership with lots of different people in our second grade ensemble. Okay, let's zoom down again. This is first grade beat review, tortitas para mamá, and I have my hands out in front of me, and I'm just kind of um, molding those small tortillas as we speak. Tortitas para mamá, tortitas para papá, las quemaditas para mamá, las bonitas para papá. So we have these small tortillas, and some of them are burnt, some of them are beautiful. For this activity, students are going to choose two different ways that we could keep a steady beat. And when they give that idea, everyone else in the classroom is going to take their creative choice for how to keep the steady beat. And we are all going to do it together as we speak the rhyme. So um, keeping a steady beat, that could be on our head and then on our knees. And we go back and forth between those two. We could do one shoulder two times and then the next shoulder two times or the other shoulder two times. Um, we could do our ear and then our shoe so many different options and so many different ways that we can keep a steady beat in two different places. As a creative musician in this first grade ensemble, working on the idea of steady beat, our individual ideas have a direct impact on the whole group. And this is one way to illustrate that with one first grade musician coming up with an idea and then everyone else in the group takes that idea and they do it together as an ensemble. 
So we're thinking about how do members of a musical ensemble work together? In one of our examples, we talked about keeping a steady beat as a way for the ensemble to work together. In another example, we talked about uh, we can work together by being partners with a lot of different people, even if those are not the people that we always play with on the playground. And we had the second question, how do we contribute to the ensemble as individual musicians? One of the ways that we can contribute to the ensemble is by offering a creative perspective to a musical invitation, like keeping a steady beat. Next, let's talk about this idea of compliment. So moving on from ensemble and moving into this idea of things going together because they are different, like peanut butter and jelly go together because they taste different or puzzle pieces that can fit together because they are different shapes. I chose to do this concept compliment before the concept of collaboration, because when it's time for students to collaborate together, not that they're not collaborating before that actual, you know, big idea section of a musical unit, but when it's time for us to emphasize collaboration, I want students to have the frame of mind about how to approach differences in a collaboration and that differences between people do not have to result in conflict all of the time. Instead, they can be a complementarity. So complementarity over conflict. And I'll read you a piece of this concept plan uh, to kind of frame this. It says, throughout this process, students are invited to explore how different pieces of a musical work and different musicians in an ensemble can complement each other. Musical parts can complement each other when they are different, but in a way that works together. Music does not need to be in unison. It does not need to be exactly the same in order to be complementary. And in fact, it is the differences in music that allow for a complementary relationship. In the same way, musicians who create the music do not need to see things exactly the same way or have the exact same opinions on musical choices or have the exact same musical backgrounds. Differences between the musicians collaborating in an ensemble allow for a complementary working relationship. So big ideas in this um, strand of concept plans are number one, uh, musical parts that are different from each other can be complementary and musicians who are different from each other can be complementary. And then two curious questions. Uh, number one, how can musical pieces complement each other? And number two, how can musicians in an ensemble complement each other? Let's look at some examples of how we can use this idea of complement and complementary relationships in some of these activities that we would already be doing. Let's take, for example, Older Beginners Mi Re Do. I know we talked about Big Fat Biscuit um, a few episodes ago, but we'll sing the song. Big Fat Biscuit Chubaloo Just from the oven Chubaloo Boy, jump over yonder Chubaloo we also have an ostinato that we can use with that. Jump, over, jump, on, over, jump, over, jump, on, over. So now we have the song. We have the singing game. We can also add a bordoon. So just like a chord bordoon on the tonic and the dominant. And then we have this ostinato, jump, over, jump, on, over. So none of these musical parts sound exactly the same, do they? How do they differ from each other musically? 
How are they different in a way that works together? How do these musical pieces complement each other? There's another space in that same concept plan where students are working together to figure out something about this melody. And as they work together, they can practice how musicians complement each other by noticing different musical characteristics of a melody. And this is baked into uh, the directions for this activity. There's like a notes section that gives um, some verbiage for how to frame this particular um, conversation that students are going to have. So we can complement each other here by noticing something different about the melody. We can contribute to the conversation and we can extend our partner's observations. Even if we don't have the same one, we can find a way to extend what they are saying. Next, let's look at third grade working on low law with the song Circle Round the Zero. So we'll sing this song and do uh, the movement activity that goes with it. And that song is Circle Around the Zero. Find your friend in the zero, back, back, zero, side, side, zero, front, front, zero, that's your friend in the zero. And this song works so beautifully in a round. In order for us to sing in a round, that means that we are not singing the same thing at the same time. So how do these musical pieces complement each other? How are they different, but in a way that works together? This is a very quick, just turn and talk situation. And then we are on with the lesson. Next, let's go back to first grade and let's talk about Ta and Toddy with the song Con Mi Martillo. And this is a hammer that we are using to build all sorts of different things. Like we could build a boat or we could build a doghouse or we could build a castle, whatever it is. Con mi martillo, martillo, martillo. Con mi martillo, martillo, yo. And then we'll add a B section of, look what I can build. And then we improvise four beats. So it could be, look what I can build. 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 How are we going to create an improvised rhythm that is complementary to the call? Look what I can build. And the answer is that the rhythm we improvise, it needs to be different from the call. That's what makes it improvisation is that we are doing something different. If we were copying, that would still be um, you know, a useful musical skill. But if we are just copying a rhythm uh, beat for beat, that is not generating something new on the spot. So in order for us to improvise, we have to think about a complementary rhythm to look what I can build. And this can be a very seamless thing to add into our language that we'd probably already be doing for an activity like this when we do a self-assessment. So a thumbs up if you improvised something different, a thumbs down if you did not improvise something different, and then a thumbs in the middle if you're not really sure. And I have students show me their thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle on their forehead so that no one else in this class can see. Um, so a thumbs up if you improvised a complimentary rhythm, a thumbs down if you did not Im uh, improvise a complementary rhythm, and then thumbs in the middle if you're not sure. All right. I think that that is probably plenty for today. I think this is a good place to press pause and look at where to read a little bit more about this approach if you find that it's something that's interesting to you. 
I've mentioned Robin Fogarty already. She wrote a book with Brian Peet called How to Integrate the Curricula, and she's also written several articles on this topic. And she's the one, again, that I got this um, this idea of nesting from is from her work. Next, Lynn Erickson and Lois Lanning wrote a book called Transitioning to Concept-Based Curriculum Instruction and Instruction, How to Bring Content and Process Together. And then there's also a book called Concept-Based Curriculum and Instruction for the Thinking Classroom. And that's by, again, Lynn Erickson and Lois Lanning, but then also Rachel French. And then one last resource that I want to add is by Harvey Silver and Jay McTie. They wrote a book called Teaching for Deeper Learning. And I want to read um, just one little quote from the introduction to that book that kind of ties this idea together for me. And again, the reason that I like the idea of nesting concepts and skills and processes and knowledge and all of that. Um, They said, please note that our recommended emphasis on big ideas and transferable processes is not meant to minimize the importance of teaching basic skills or foundational knowledge. So again, It's not a question of, should I teach these big abstract concepts or should I teach how to keep a steady beat? We need both. We need these discipline-specific skills. And these discipline-specific skills are so much more rich and they're so much more applicable in a lot of other different situations when we can tie them together, when we can nest them together to a broader level concept. And that's what I have been exploring. That's what I've been learning about this semester. And I'm excited to keep moving on this nested approach to elementary curriculum. 